0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipness. As entrepreneurs, there are so many things that are important. Marketing is important, having a great idea is important, knowing what you're talking about, knowing your audience but also being healthy and having the energy to do everything you need to do. Both sides are extremely important in building a business, especially at the beginning and through growth stages. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Today, we're going to dig into both the health side and the business side, because we want to make sure that you know both, and I'm talking to an expert in both of them. He's Mm -hmm. built businesses, has a great business now, also just came out with a movie in the health and wellness space that talks about why we need to consider our health while we're doing everything else we do in life. I do want to thank our sponsor, Craig Shelley Beverly Hills. It is a jewelry company with a purpose. Every piece of jewelry or watch they sell, a donation is made to charity. So they're doing good while we are all looking good. And I also wanna thank the C-Suite Network for their platform and for promoting the show out there to all of you. My guest today, Jonathan Baylor, he's built businesses. He's very active in the health and wellness space. Went from starting out as a personal trainer and learning why things were working and why things weren't working that actually led to him growing bigger and better businesses. Jonathan, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Adam. It's a pleasure.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, and since we met, it's just been really interesting because so I get your emails and we've had conversations. I saw the, the documentary that you created there's a lot that got you to this place. Where did it start for? You?
1: From an entrepreneurial journey, that was a, that's, that's sort of a different story from a nutrition and wellness perspective. I've always been, even from my earliest days due to some trauma in my family, interested in how we may be able to avoid suffering whenever possible through you know different information and different foodstuffs. I also was brought up right when the Christopher Reeves, Superman series as well as the Rocky tele- or movies were very, very popular. So as a child, I was always interested in, you know, okay, I wanna be like Rocky or I wanna be like Superman or how, how can we do that? I had a much older brother who was very athletic and I always looked very much up to him. So the idea of being able to use food, exercise and other lifestyle choices to influence our experience of the world was just indoctrinated into me at a very deep level through my, my childhood. That's what took me to be a personal trainer. And then because I have two college, prof- college professor parents, I had some amazing access to research institutions and universities. And that led me down the very geeky scientific path <laughs> that I went on for about 15 years uh, while I was a senior program manager at Microsoft. It's kind of a complicated story, but it's, uh, it's been there from day one. I, I feel very honored uh, and very, very blessed because there's so many things in my life that I had no control over that were were sort of laid in front of me. Yes, I did have to pick them up and run with them. But the the amazing journey has seemed like it was a journey that was somewhat predestined. And uh, I feel blessed to be living it every day.
0: That's fantastic. And you talked about the, the entrepreneurial story being very different from the health and wellness side, but you had your personal training business and it was a business, whether you're working at a gym or you had to get your own clients, you had to do things pre-Microsoft. So how did, um, was that a business? Did you treat it like a business or was that a passion project that you were helping yourself and other people?
1: That, I mean, it, it was how I paid my way through college. I was a personal trainer at Valley Total Fitness. I don't know if that company still exists, but it was in Columbus, Ohio. And it, I mean, it was a, a job that I very much loved and it, it, I, uh, I mean, I was more given clients, but yeah, you definitely, you know, had to sell them and <laughs> you had to get them to buy more packages and, and things like that. Um, and it was, uh, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a career. I never set out on my life to be a personal trainer. It was more of something which I could do based on passions that I had rather than working at a fast food restaurant <laughs> to pay my way through college. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed using my, my gifts and my education. To help people, and then uh, moved into the the technology space at Microsoft for ten years. Never really abandoning, you know, that passion for health and wellness. I had the great opportunity to work on the Nike Plus Connect training at Microsoft in an engineering capacity, as well as the uh, Xbox Fitness offering, which was incredible. And my my passion is really, when I look at it, to to engineer systems and processes that help. People to live better, right? Like, my personal mission statement for my life is to lovingly enable human excellence. And to do that, you know, you have to understand what makes humans humans. You have to understand the challenges, the roadblock. Like, really, I'm a systems thinker. So, human psychology, the human body, human motivational drives, these are all systems which you can understand and you can study and you can make work better or worse. And it is objective science and being able to combine the best technology in the world, uh, an engineering mindset with this collaborations we've had the great privilege of doing with Harvard Medical School and Johns Hopkins and UCLA to find evidence-backed approaches to optimize the human experience has just been uh, incredible. And that's been, I would say, something that's very different about my business slash entrepreneurial journey, which I don't know if I'd, I mean, it's, I don't know if I'd recommend it to people because it's sort of a con, it's a convoluted path that kicks you in the face a lot. But I never, like my company doesn't exist because I said, you know, there's a market opportunity and I did this business analysis and there's a blue ocean out here and we can make a billion dollars and then exit in three years and like blah, blah, blah. I still haven't paid myself. I don't take pride in that. But my point is, is it's always been for me Mission and value first, always, always, always. Too like that's a problem. To be clear, like the biggest challenges we've had is because we haven't consciously internalized like the old Stephen Covey saying, like no margin, no mission. Like you, you can't make the impact that that I want to have without profits. It's like, you're competing with freaking people that have unlimited money. And when it comes to, you know, even on advertising, whoever has the most money wins basically. So, uh, I've, I've always been to a fault purpose and mission first that's made the motivation easy, but it's also made a lot of other things hard. (laughs) That makes sense.
0: Because a lot of times, uh, well, the, the old mantra was follow your passion and the money will follow. The new mantra is find the opportunity and do other stuff to fulfill your passions right and and, um you're at the cusp of both right you've got you've got the business you've got the the science um, and not to over stereotype but engineers and scientists don't often make the best entrepreneurs and business people they have a great model but they don't necessarily know how to sell it particularly well or get it out to the marketplace and um with with the movie which I've watched, with which we'll talk about in a second, and you know the emails that I get from you and the texts that I get from you are building that marketing channel through those things. Where um, where is that turning point, or where are you in that turning point? Because you have a going business, even if you don't pay yourself, the mm-hmm. business is still serving a lot of people. The word is out there, and uh, and your products work. So where is that turning point for you and how are you businessifying that passion that, that is so important to you?
1: The, we had to, there's, there's what you, I think, I forget the old saying, but it's like, you should do what you like doing and what you're good at and what the world will pay you for. Cause it's like, you have to be good at it and the world has to want to pay you for it. It's not the same. If you like basket weaving, that's cool. Um, and, but the world has to pay you for it. So, there's like one of the things we've noticed, and <clears throat> this is just like getting, getting out of what I want and versus what, what is just the reality of business. So for instance, for the first however many years of our company's existence, it was, it was the only thing we sold was a, a, like a lifestyle change program. The best lifestyle change program in the world. It's incredible. It's, it's great. It's revolutionary our business only took off when we started selling supplements. So in America, it seems based on the market, people are far more likely to purchase supplements than they are to purchase a program that they have to kind of do and learn about and so on and so forth. But we're not ever cause we're, you know, we're, we're mission focused first we are not a supplement company, but what we have discovered is that if we can provide patented, differentiated nutraceuticals that prove that we're a legitimate company that can cause meaningful change in your life and body, then people will say, oh, wait, like you have a program too? Okay, now I want to join. So we've had this interesting experience of And it was it's humility, I think, when you really dig down to it of, okay, we know what you need from a science perspective, take it. And the market's like, yeah, no, that's not what I want. What I want or what I'm willing to buy or pay for today are supplements. But then if your supplements deliver, I'm open to what else you got. And that's really where we've seen this, this tremendous growth of the company is, we, we, we can get people's attention and we can deliver results quickly with no effort. And I was where it sounds like, Muh. but you know, if you have a headache and you take a leave, you don't have a headache anymore and it required no effort. So there are, there are nutraceutical and pharmaceutical interventions that make a big difference, right? Like I, anyway, we all know that there's good parts and bad parts of supplementation and medicine and things like that. What we have found is that providing a product or service that first of all, people want and need that works can then enable you to provide them with what they need and create a a lifetime relationship with that customer, which when you just talk about true business value, right? Like lifetime customer value, brand loyalty, things like that. I would argue that there's only so much loyalty you could have to a supplement company. Now, if, if you have a relationship with a company that has transformed the way you eat, think, live, breathe, help you, you know, a lot of our, uh, one of our, our greatest success stories once described as his, his experience is saying, I feel like I've, I feel like I'm seeing the world in color for the first time. Like that is the most incredible sort of like heart emotional thing you could ever hear. And from a brand monetization perspective, like he's never going to leave. He will continue to trust us with tremendous treasure. And he is a walking billboard that we don't have to pay anything to Facebook or Google or YouTube to, to help get the word out. So I think it's a, it's been a really amazing journey of eating a big piece of humble pie and saying, look, there's an old saying why do people rob banks because that's where the money is it's it's great to be in our ivory tower of you know where we don't care about money and it's all about mission and yada 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 and i love tony robbins old saying that you know the what's the word that's most commonly associated with artist starving so you know that's that's not helpful so we realize we are not going to achieve our mission from our ivory tower of pure purpose how can we monetize this? How can we scale and make a profit and then reinvest that profit in causing the change that we really want? So that's it's, it's a long-winded answer, but it's been a, a circuitous, but, but useful journey.
0: I appreciate that. It's interesting because there are a lot of businesses that I work with that I've come across people that I know that they're great practitioners or they have a great thing but they don't they don't have a hook they don't have a way to bring people in and you found yours through supplementation and and the science background and the research background you have you didn't just you know find a supplement and throw a label on it and put it in your gym so to speak you created something that you knew would cause effective change in people did you how did you and your team come to that because there's a lot of business owners that are like Jonathan, I hear you. I'm great. I want people to do X, Y, and Z. There are accountants who want people to not show up on April 14th with a, you know, box full of paperwork and be like, here, do this for me. There are doctors who don't want people to come in when they feel like crap, but they want people to come in to have wellness exams, right? But a wellness exam is not something that anyone like puts on their calendars like, can't wait to do that. Right. So you had to figure this out as a team. What was the triggering event of saying, all right, we need something different. Mm -hmm. And how did you land on supplements as that thing? Because supplements are great, but it probably cost you a fair amount of money to formulate them and build them and time saying, hey, we're going to do this a year and a half. Sounds great. Before we get started. What was that process and that internal conversation?
1: Brene Brown, who is one of the most researchers who I respect the most in the world, you know, she she has a really fascinating thing she says, where she says we live in a culture of fun, fast, and easy, where people only want to do things that are fun, fast, and easy. And I think it's a I think that's really useful for business people to keep in mind. Um, and the reason I bring up Brene Brown, and this is going to answer your question, is because, right, Brene Brown is a shame researcher. She talks about the most like dark depressing shame. Like she's a shame researcher, right? However, she is probably one of the most engaging and funny and easy to listen to people in the world. So, you know, while she sort of talks about, you know, the things in life that really matter are not fun, fast, and easy, even to get people to listen to her message, she had to make it fun, fast, and easy, right? So, so I think, and I make that parallel because when you look at the you know 1300 plus research studies that, that went into what eventually became our nutraceutical line, like supplements are in some ways, a fun, fast and easy way to improve your wellness, right? They're not really fun, but they are fast and easy. However, to your point, if we just white labeled collagen, Or you know, sold whey protein. There's no differentiation. There's no IP. There's no brand loyalty. So the fact that we built all this IP around lifestyle change and these these you know what is the real cause of sickness and suboptimal human performance, and then we're able to productize that into something that is fun, fast, and easy. I I to me that was the distinction. We we had to find a way to to make in some ways the bitter pill of lifestyle change easier to swallow because you got like, I need, if I'm going to, if I'm going to make a change, I'll do that, but it's probably not what I'm going to do first. Like give me fun, fast, and easy. If you can give me fun, fast, and easy, and it makes my life better, we're going to have on some level of relationship, we're going to have trust. I am probably at that point, willing to invest more with you. And when I say invest more, I don't mean just money, I mean time. So when you think about practitioners, like accountants, lawyers, doctors, generally speaking, everything they sell, and this was our situation too, requires tremendous effort on the recipient side. And it is not fun, it is not fast, and it is not easy. So I would encourage practitioners to figure out a way to how can I get this person or people on a mass scale to trust me by delivering genuine benefit in a way that is productizable, fun, fast, and easy. And then once you have that trust, once you have that relationship, that's when you can get into the sort of deeper, let me give you what I want, that's actually gonna help you with integrity that's differentiated. And then you will be receptive to what you need because you trust me at that point.
0: Very well said and and super important. Uh, And I think it it leads me to sort of my final question um, because every little bit of change helps. When we were talking about um, the movie called Better and it's about how can you be healthier and why does eating a certain way help? And it's not just about diet, it's about lifestyle, and it's about things that are good. And in the movie, there's some sort of casserole shrimp thing that is amazing. It's worth watching the whole movie just to (laughs) see that dish if you're a foodie like I am. Um, But one of the things you said to me is, we didn't name the movie perfect. We named the movie better. And when you talk about health and wellness, and you talk about business, better is what we should all strive for. Mm -hmm. Can we be better better? Yesterday, in our business, in our health, can we be better the next day? Can we be better for our clients? So, for people listening, what is the first thing they can do to sort of embrace that better mindset, that better
1: concept that you built the business
0: and the and the documentary movie around?
1: I give you a. I can give you a really quick answer if it has to do with like you know nutrition and wellness, but I'm trying to give you an answer that's more around if I'm on the entrepreneurial journey, taking what I've learned and giving you something that you can implement in your business, in your own psychology to be better tomorrow. And for me, it's the concept and the you can implement this into your business of anti-fragility, which (laughs) is its its own conversation. But let me just give you the quick (laughs) overview here really quickly, because it's radically changed my life. Because the entrepreneurial journey is a series of kicks in the face. It's basically That's basically what it is. It's not like, are you going to deal with problems? It's just like, what are the magnitude and scale of problems that you're going to deal with? And you can't like say, oh, no, it was Billy and accounting's responsibility. Because that's, you know, I've been in that world. I loved being in that world for 10 years at Microsoft where you could diffuse responsibility. There is no diffusion of responsibility when you're an entrepreneur. It's all on you. The, the concept of anti-fragility, so this is a book by Nicholas Nassim Taleb called Anti-Fragile. He's the same guy that wrote The Black Swan. I'd highly recommend it to everybody who's listening and watching this right now. And it is the concept, and I would say the truism, that <clears throat> we, we are completely ignorant in our vo- vernacular of the, the opposite of fragile. So if you, if you say something's fragile, that means disruptions harm it. So if you ask people what's the opposite of fragile, they would probably say something like robust. But robust is not the opposite of fragile because robust means disruptions don't harm it. That's not the opposite of disruptions harm it. The opposite of disruptions harm it is disruptions make it stronger. And there is no word in any modern language to describe that which is the opposite of fragile. But like human muscle tissue is anti-fragile, right? The only way you build muscle and make it stronger is by damaging it. The thing that weakens the human body is essentially the absence of stressors. That's what kills you. Like you, you you wanna cripple your immune system, have no exposure to germs and bacteria. Okay, why am I going on this like metaphysical tangent? Because it is through, the only thing that has kept me sane and enabled the business to survive and to thrive is to realize that it is and this sounds like a platitude but it's not it is only in the shit that you will find the diamonds that are go- like we now have a thriving nutraceutical business that is like displacing the entire probiotic market with our rev- our patented postbiotic 64 billion dollar market And we never would have gone there had our sort of first attempt at, let us tell you the right way to eat and you should just join our program and blah, not fallen on its face. Right? So it was through the failure and the humility of saying like, what can we learn from this and not abandon it, but how can we evolve from it? Blah, 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 blah. Like you've probably heard that previously, but this this concept of not just, it's not resilience it's beyond resilience. It's literally you either kill me or I am going to come back stronger because of this. And if you like really get that in your bones, that like literally, I remember walking down the street with my wife one day when we were in like a bad spot with the business. And I was like, Angela, it's interesting because when you like come to the, my wife's name is Angela. I said, it's interesting because when you make the distinction in your mind, that this will either work or I'm going to die, it's very freeing because it's either gonna work out or it's gonna work out. Because if you're dead, it doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) So my point with that is if you have that level of like commitment and drive to what you're doing and you, you, you don't try to avoid failure and you don't try to avoid adversity and you don't run your business based on fear, Because you know that no matter what happens, as long as it doesn't kill you or in the sense of business bankrupt you, because that's the death of a business, you will come back stronger. That internalizing that, reading that book, understanding that will make you better tomorrow.
0: That's awesome, appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time, for the information. And you did tie health and business all together under the concept of better. Jonathan Baylor, thanks for being with me today and taking some time. Thanks Adam. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, how to make more money in your business at www.freebookfromadam.com.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.